Welcome to the Law Firm Growth Podcast, where we share the latest tips, tactics, and strategies for scaling your practice from the top experts in the world of growing law firms. Are you ready to take your practice to the next level? Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Law Firm Growth Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Jan Roos, and I am tremendously excited for my interview today. This is a returning guest in Molly McGrath. So Molly is the founder of Hiring Empowering Solutions. We've been you know, friends for some time, I guess. When did we have our first podcast, Molly? Like two years ago? Oh, my gosh, yes. Yeah. Wow. Big couple right, of years. More, yeah, yeah. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. But I've been following Molly for a super long time. Hers is one of my genuine favorite podcasts that I look forward to every single week because in the kind of time since we've met, you know, I've gone through a lot of stuff with growing my team. I find a lot of wisdom in what she talks about. I'm super excited to, to get her cornered for the next hour to ask her some of these questions. But um, thanks again for coming on the call, Molly. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I'm always delighted and I love everything you're doing. So keep up the amazing work. Okay. Awesome. All right. So to kind of get started, let's do a little bit of a a Quentin Tarantino jump to the action type thing. We were talking a little bit on the pre-call about uh, your upcoming book. And I thought the title was very interesting, <laughs> Fix My Employees. So can you uh, go in a little bit about the kind of conversations you've been having with clients recently and like why that seems like something that's been resonating with the folks you're working with? Yeah, gosh. I mean, even today, I've gotten no less than three emails that had the essence of that title. And that's a n- number one thing that I hear from attorneys across the country. It's not necessarily that they have bad people or what have you, but they just don't know how to manage them and lead their team. So the lack of communication, the lack of framework and systems in regards to make certain that the employees are over-communicating with the clients, over-communicating with the attorneys in regards to where they're at with their work, what they're doing. I hear all the time from the attorneys, I have no idea what he or she does all day. And it's not that they don't trust their employees, Just, I think that there's a big, massive gap in the legal space of having a system and a process and having a framework and standards for communicate, over communicating with your attorney, not from a place of micromanagement, but so they can have faith and confidence to continue to delegate more to you, to give you more opportunities as an employee. And a lot of times, you know, greatest definition I ever heard of anxiety is the root of all anxiety is lack of information. And things are happening in our businesses, but a lot of times employees are not trained on how to communicate in a way that a business owner, that an attorney, that your boss, whatever term resonates with you, that they have full faith and confidence of what's happening. So they don't wake up at two o'clock in the morning in a pool of sweat. Yeah. And it's, it's super interesting too. And I have to say one of the episodes of your podcast that I've, I've probably listened to about three times and sent to about everyone on my team is the uh, stop saying that I didn't have time for it episode, <laughs> which I love because you illustrate uh, a concept because on the flip side of that, it's like, it's really tough for the business owner because, you know, you can imagine how that's received sometimes. What are you doing all day? Like if people ever ask that, there's kind of a space of lack of appreciation, which I think is why people don't do it. But I think, you know, now more than ever with the climate that we have in legal for the availability of good people, we're scared about having these conversations because what if the answer is screw you, I'm out of here. Right. 
And you know what? It, it's all in how you frame it and it's all in your delivery. So in regards to if you are sitting there thinking, what the heck does he or she do every day, especially every two weeks when you get your timesheets and sometimes people are like, what? I don't see her do anything but sit on her cell phone or, you know, hang around the water cooler, what have you. What the heck is this invoice? Whether they're insourced or W-2 or 1099 and nobody likes feeling that way. And to your point, it's all in how you have the conversation. So I would just say for an employer that maybe is feeling like that, like just take this time to do a stop, drop and roll and really take stock and get a standard within your practice, within your business for how to figure out what people are doing it, but it, you can do it in such an empowering way that your employees will actually be grateful for the conversation. And I can go more into real quick of give people like five things of what they can do today to have that. I would love to hear that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Cause I'm all about, I don't like conversations. I want just systems and how do's and bullet points. I'm a very literal systematic person. And so I appreciate that. So I would say, number one, regardless if you have one person or everybody or what have you on your team, that you just kind of stop and really say, okay, great. An easy way to start with this is to do a strategic retreat. The timing's perfect. It's the beginning of a new year, Q1, what have you, and really do a stop, drop, and roll, so to speak, and doing an all-hands-on-deck retreat. It's a way to bring in community, collaboration, empowerment, excitement, getting people reconnected or maybe connected for the first time to your mission, your vision, your core values, things of that nature. And then from there also, and if you already have that on deck, it's a great way to start with doing like it. Some people have called them a SWOT analysis and back in the past, figuring out the gap from the gain or just really figuring out, I like a very simplistic of figuring out what's working and what's not working and who's doing what to reach goal. So that's one way to do it. A quarterly retreat, I'd highly recommend for any of your listeners, I'd be happy to give you an agenda if you don't have one. If you already have that in the works, make certain you have a weekly meeting with your team. And if you're, you have a professional law firm administrator or CEO or COO on deck, that's great because then it's not dependent on you as the attorney or the rainmaker, but treating it like a stakeholders meeting. Everybody is has something at stake within this company. Listen, human beings will not leave you, will not be offended by any questions that you ask. If it ha- starts with her and it has tonality, if they get time, attention, and feedback. If you give that consistently and persistently, your employees won't leave you at all. So getting a weekly stakeholders meeting, again, I will have time to bring an agenda as well, where people are identifying their top three for the week. They're identifying what their goals are, where they think they're going to get jammed up and where they need help. And then if you do a daily huddle and you're really quickly checking in with everyone on the team, again, the appropriate people, you might not have the bookkeeper there. You might not have associate attorneys there, what have you of just checking in. Okay. What are your top three for today? What top three matters? Are you moving? Where are you at? And then the next day, how'd you do with your top three? It's not a place of shame, blame, or finger pointing. But when Susie says, 
my goal was to close this Smith file and send them an invoice, or my goal was to get their head of marketing or what have you, the Jones's marketing plan deployed or whatever it was, or it might be to do invoicing or get my time entered into the CRM and make certain that I get all my billing. So the attorney, it's ready for the attorney to review on Monday or what have you. And they come and they say, okay, these are my top three goals. I only got to one or I got to none or I got to two. In that moment, when you get deeply curious and have a safe space for it, again, if you have a team leader that can lead this or COO, it doesn't have to be depend on you on the attorney. Like, okay, great. This is amazing information. Let's talk about what stopped you from getting to the other two. Well, attorney B dumped a crisis file on my desk or what have you. So-and-so came and asked me if I could become a witness and do this, or Susie called in sick. So I had to take over her work, what have you. This is information that people pay millions of dollars for every year for a business consultant. Your team is your quality control team. They're showing where the loopholes are because you get on the second daily huddle and you hear again that I wasn't able to get to this, this, and this. It shows you where we're violating our process, where maybe people don't have project management and everybody's failure to plan is becoming other people's crisis. So this is a wonderful way for you to treat it on a daily basis as a strategic retreat and figure out where the loopholes are. Then when you have the weekly meeting and the daily meeting, and I mean no more than 15, 30 minutes tops, attorneys tell me all the time, I don't have time for that. I'm like, well, I see the communication ping pong going back and forth in the teams, in the Slack, in the email and everything else. And I saw your response to Susie, cause you're copying me or blind copying me. How long did it take you to write that email? Cause it was like 14 paragraphs long and you were debating it and defending it and asking her 13 other questions that then she has to reply to, which could have been handled in a five-minute conversation. And everybody would have been very clear on what the next actions are and where the breakdowns were. So you do have time. You're just not spending it wisely. And in fact, if you do the daily huddle, you just gain back a tremendous amount of more time because you just told me it took you an hour to write that email. Yeah, that's awesome. And like, you know, I, I was actually, if you noticed me looking down, I was taking notes like crazy. <laughs> but I mean, I think it's such an important thing too, because it's like, I know a lot of the times I kind of call it like, you know, the freshman year uh, approach to, to operations and stuff. Like, All right, cool. You know, I read work the system. I got my SOP. Well, we got it made road to McDonald's. Let's go. But the truth is like one of the things that like, that, that kind of stuck out to me. So it's like, okay, where are we breaking our process? Cause it always breaks. Mm, <laughs> and mm-hmm. that's the thing too. And like, I think like one of the other things I really love about, this is something that comes through a lot in the podcast, which, you know, again, like I can't say this enough times for anyone listening, highly recommended, but like such a human approach to it, because when you're writing the 14 paragraph email, there's so many assumptions built in because it's a one-way conversation. And when you have like the daily huddle where people are allowed to voice things from their perspective, it's more empathetic by design because they get to see where it's coming from, from their perspective. And I think it's just so much more powerful when we can kind of have that kind of a rapport as opposed to the other stuff too. But I want to say like, as far as the situation that you're finding, when people call you in to help consult with their situations, what do you think are the biggest mistakes? You know, we know what a good meeting looks like, but what are things that you see often in people's meeting structures that you think are toxic that people might want to like stop if, they, if it's something that they're doing right now? Yeah. Great question. 
You know, and honestly, I'm very proud of the profession to say it's not even necessarily that it's toxic. It's just not effective and it's not being ran systematically or being facilitated. So what I see when I take on a new uh, law firm that I service or fractional COO, CEO, what have you, and I, my first order is to watch their team meetings if they're having it or any meetings that they're having that are on the books that are consistent. I say, number one, it's a lack of agenda where everybody knows what they need to do to show up prepared with the reporting, whether it be the attorneys, the paralegals, the intake coordinators, whoever it might be. So it's a lot of conversation that is based on emotions versus anchoring to data. In fact, so we spend a lot of time talking about something that should be handled in 10 minutes based on a report where we just ask powerful questions. Number two it's being led by the attorney or the business owner and not by, I'm not saying you have to have a CEO on staff, but having a team leader that's going to facilitate and lead everything for you. So if the attorney, a lot of times employees will just let them derail the meeting. Maybe most entrepreneurs always want to talk about marketing, right? So we have a one hour meeting to review cases, go through the calendar, go through client experience, go through this. And everything turns into a marketing meeting. So no one's facilitating it and watching the clock and bringing everyone back on track of where they should be at. So really, it's a lot of lack of planning on everybody's part, lack of clarity and standardization on what this meeting is for. And giving people the agenda, the agenda is not going to change, at least the framework, the conversation and the matters that we dive into each week might change. But by and large, the framework's not going to, the agenda's not going to, and then being facilitated. Okay, great, guys. You know, we're 15 minutes into the meeting, and I know we really, really need to talk about that Facebook campaign, that Facebook ad to get our webinar launch. But right now, we have our marketing meeting in our So I'm going to put that on the agenda and we'll handle that in real time. But real quick, what do you need us to know from a high level? What's the bottom line? Because if somebody's not facilitating it, I wouldn't know if I'm paralegal that this meeting should go sideways and we have to talk about this webinar or Facebook ad strategy for the rest of our meeting. But I'm walking out and we never got to any of my matters. But next thing you know, somebody's at my desk tomorrow screaming at me because I didn't finish, blah, blah, blah. Well, I had on my agenda for the meeting, but we never got to it. Right. It's a vicious cycle. Yeah. And it kind of sounds like I could imagine like the people who are probably the more talkative or like, you know, the stronger forces of personality. It's actually kind of funny. You might have seen me laughing earlier. (laughs) We do our team meeting on Monday and I'm like, I really shouldn't be facilitating this. (laughs) Because the other thing too, yeah. if you're the business owner, if you're the guy whose name's on the check or the girl's name's on the check, it's just like, you know, no one's going to step through to interrupt you. <laughs> like It's kind of not a fair position to be in. Right. And especially someone like you, which I, I know you're highly creative. You're a high quick star. You know, you get jazzed up. If there's a certain topic that comes up, you're like, oh yeah, yeah. Let's keep going with this one. But there's other people suffering in silence that maybe you don't get to there. So to your point, it really shouldn't be you. And I'll, you know, before we recorded, I told you today, boy, this podcast couldn't come at a better time because I do my meetings on Monday mornings and Holly in my office, which, you know, Holly's fantastic. She's a high fact finder follow through. I have her lead our meetings because I can't for multiple reasons. I'll derail it. 
But if somebody says something where they, it ends with, well, I don't know, or, you know, they're not, they're not showing up prepared. I'll lose my mind and I'll blow up on the team, which is not very helpful. And I said to you today, you're like, how's it going? I'm like, it's a Monday. And I said, <laughs> and thank God for Holly, because probably my entire team would have quit today. If I really would have said what I wanted to say. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting too. I, I want to kind of dig in on this as far as this is something uh, I know you and I know about this too, but you mentioned a little bit about the Colby index a little bit too. For So for from, can you give kind of a little bit of a summary for, for people who aren't familiar with that? And, and um, I would love to kind of see where the conversation goes on how you guys use that on a day-to-day. Absolutely. So I've been using the Colby since the late nineties. I think I heard of it through strategic coach, a coaching program that I was involved with. And then I started, you know, it's like, once you, you hear something, you see it everywhere. Then I read about it, you know, in Oprah magazine. Then I saw it on like the good morning America for, it was just everywhere. So I, when I started my recruiting agency in 2008 for legal staffing, I started using it because number one, the price point's really good. It's 50 bucks an assessment. Some of these assessments that are out there, there's hundreds, if not thousands of dollars, then you got to pay a consultant to even tell you what the heck it means and to go through it. I like Colby because the price point's easy. The way to understand it is very simplistic and it doesn't change. It really measures the DNA of somebody's human conditioning when they're backed against the wall, stress is high just got fired by a client, have a client sitting in the conference room that's all upset because we never got back to them. All the things that happen in every business, how you will take action when you're backed against the wall. So it measures your hardwiring, your operating software, uh, you know, 26 questions, 50 bucks very quickly. And it doesn't change. I took my first one 24 years ago and I was convinced mine's changed because I've grown, I've evolved, my roles change. You know, I own businesses, sold businesses versus I was an employee when I took it and it hasn't changed one iota. So it's tried, tested, and proven. It's just like, you can get coaching and training and what have you. But at the end of the day, when things are the, you know, hitting the fan, so to speak, where you will go. So it measures four different areas of how people are high fact finders or their strong follow through. So the high fact finders are people that need to know the beginning, the middle, the end, and the why before they will take any action. High follow throughs, which are your production cops or your professional nags, which every single law firm and every entrepreneur needs a high follow through standing next to them, which I'm a high follow through. I lead in eight. Everybody tells me I'm a pain in the butt and you know I, that's my job. I'm really great at it. And then the next one is a quick start. So that's you. That's a, you know, attention. They, what Colby says is that's your entrepreneurs, true, true entrepreneurs, which I think the last time I saw only 1% of the population is a true entrepreneur. They could start a new business every single day, as long as they don't have to manage it. And so you, from, you know, knowing you, your ideation, you get excited when an idea comes, you're really, you know, phenomenal at that. And you, you, there's, you can take an idea from P and turn it into an empire and get it rocking and rolling naturally without a skill set with what have you. I bet you, if you look back on your life, you like, my goodness, what you've accomplished with nothing is probably extraordinary. And then you have your high implementers which are not, I don't love that term that Colby uses, but 
because in the business world, it means something very different to us. But from the Colby perspective, those are your creative, your graphic designers, people who want to go to the proverbial dark cellar at two o'clock in the morning, not talk to anyone, not need any human action, interaction. And then they come out and their genius is presented in a tangible. Here's the database management software. Here's a brochure. Here's the what have you. But they're not tr traditionally um, in whole, a huge need of collaboration. Okay. And that's super, like, it's, it's funny. Cause uh, uh, I'm trying to think I, I haven't pulled up recently. Like I'm at least a seven. I think I might be an eight on the, uh, on the yeah, I think I'm like a three on follow through, but um, I also say, <laughs> <laughs> I really appreciate it. But I always say too, with, uh, with my team too, it's just like, I'm the zero to 80% guy. Y'all can take it from 80 to a hundred, but like, I'll, I'll, I'm good for that first week. And then you guys could take it from there. Otherwise it's gonna, it's gonna spark. <laughs> but, um, to kind of that point, it's like, um, and the, other thing too like i'm sure you're familiar with like gino wickman and the whole yes. visionary integrative thing because it's like uh, i think there's kind of a an interesting map that like probably is a little bit more um simplistic view of it i, I discovered colby before i discovered that whole organization but yeah. um one of the things i wanted to ask you about well there's two the first one is i found in the first couple of years of us hiring i naturally resonated more with people that were close to me in a Colby. And I don't know if that's the best way to, to grow a business. So how do you approach the challenges that might come with finding people that are a little, I mean, what Colby diverse, perhaps, or like, I don't know yeah. what the right term would it be? Because, you know, it, it's, it's not easy naturally to do it. Absolutely. And I, I'm a huge fan of EOS and rocket fuel, just to kind of put a huge exclamation point on that especially with the integrator, visionary, what have you. But in a law firm, we also have the production people, right? So I love that question that you asked so much because write the job description and figure out the needs that you have. And then the ideal, there is an ideal Colby for each position. So I would recommend that you have a high follow through or somebody that has that fact finder follow through support you with the hiring process, because to your point, you're going to get totally attracted and excited about people that think and act like you, but it might not be the best fit. So for example, if you have somebody at the front of the house, answering your phones, intake, things of that nature, you need someone with a high follow through to your point, you have a two right? So your right-hand person needs to have at least a five or higher. And that's what I love about what Colby says. There's four different quadrants, the highest numbers in the driver's seat. The second highest number, again, if it's a five or higher is in the passenger seat. Then the next number, if it's five or higher is in the back seat. The next two numbers, if it's below a five, it's not even in the vehicle. In the trunk. <laughs> so it might be in the trunk if it's a four. If it's yeah. a three or a two, it is roadkill on the side of the street. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's awesome. And then like basically, um, super quick tactical question. At what point do you usually introduce this in the hiring process? Is this something after you've got like a couple lead candidates or when are you usually running people through the Colby? Yeah, so great question. I have my clients take it so I can understand there's whoever's involved in the hiring and the training process, take it so I can see where theirs is and where I need to match it up. When I have strong candidates that I present to the law firm and we get hop on a Zoom meeting or they come into the office, depending on the makeup of your practice, they like them. They have the emotional intelligence, they have the energetic fit, 
communication fit, things of that nature. Then when they're like, I want to make them an offer, then I introduce the Colby to them. I've had firms in the past that wanted me to have the Colby because the Colby is not be all in end all. But it, then I'd run the Colby and they'd fall in love with their Colby. So using your example, they're your two follow through and you need an executive assistant and they have an eight follow through and you get excited, but you're a high quick start implementer and you're like, okay, great. They fit, give them an offer. I'm like, well, no, 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 no. There's Colby's only one thing. And I lately started coupling strength finder from Gallup. Uh, so the Gallup Strength Finder with that, because that's a personality test and it matches very well because you could have some shortfalls within your Colby based on the ideal Colby for a job description and then bring in the personality test. If you went to Colby, and again, just for our listeners that might be exercising or what have you listening to this, it's K-O-L-B-E.com. And the specific assessment that we are talking about is the A as an apple, there's many different assessments that Colby offers. The A assessment is what we're talking about. And Colby can put you through right fit and um, take a job description. There's many different things that that company offers as additional service for anyone who really wants to dive in. But I like it, the personality test, because I'll tell you early on, People would say, okay, my paralegal's leaving. She's going to have a baby or her husband's moving across country. She's a rock star. I want to clone her. They have to have this Colby. Well, I early on would do that. And then I present the candidate and have the exact same Colby as the paralegal that was their favorite person in the world, but there was just something off. And mm -hmm. I'm like, well, you have to bring in the personality side of that, how people communicate because Colby is a Colby is a communication tool, but you also, I like matching the Gallup strength finder. Again, the reason I picked this, it's 19 bucks. People are usually budget conscious. And I think coupling the two for what 50 plus 20, 70 bucks or give or take, it's pretty insignificant for a good return on investment. Yeah. I was going to say too, I'm able to laugh at this because it was long enough ago, but I've definitely had to make, let's just say some, some hiring decision that cost more than $70 with the wrong person. But to your point, Molly, it was like, it's so funny because I get latched on a client kind too. Again, this is one of the reasons I had to get myself out of like, a, like a lot of the hiring process. Cause <laughs> I'm terrified. What if I go give them the test? It's not what I wanted to hear. Right. It's like, I just got, I, I get bought it. I fall in love through too quickly, but this is something that I've been thinking about a little, oh, I, another couple of questions about this. So. We all know about the kind of the classic model where you have sort of like, you know, the visionary founder, but every once in a while we've run into people and it's, it's kind of rare because just by nature of what we do in marketing, it tends to attract those people a little bit more, but there are people I've found that have been successful that are a little bit more of that kind of integrator type to start. So do you have any experience with like how those firms would grow in a way that's different than like, I guess, you know, the, the classic one with a visionary type for a situation? So Clarify the question a little bit, just so I make sure I understand it. Yeah. So I was going to say, so like for like your classic, you know, high quick start front of house gregarious person, like I feel yep. like that's almost the default narrative for who to hire first and second and third. Yep. Do you know any, like, and, and we've seen a couple people where it's been almost like the back of house person first and they've done quite well, but I feel like it's a narrative that doesn't get discussed. So what does like building a firm look like differently when you're not that sort of visionary high quick start type person? Yeah, you know, uh, the great question. In Rocket Fuel, they even talk about, and I've hired a bunch of EOS guys 
on my podcast um, since I really started diving into it. You don't necessarily have to have a visionary high quick start to have a successful business, but you will never have a successful business without a strong integrator. And I've always felt that, you know, you can be a law firm owner. A lot of attorneys actually aren't visionaries. They aren't high quick starts and they have very successful law firms. And so then they feel like, all right, I don't love marketing. I'm not good at it. How many times do you hear that from attorneys? I'm terrible at marketing. I don't know marketing. I need a marketing person. I need a visionary. I need someone. And then they start writing all these checks and to different, you know, agencies and what have you, things in nature, because they're like, just please somebody do it, because I don't know how to do it. And I don't want to do it. And then from there, they have the absence of that integrator, you and I know this. Uh, and what I mean by that, there's no reporting. So this is this is a kind of joke in, between business outsource marketing and consultants, especially in the legal space is that you know, oh, you're sending me all these garbage leads or, you know, I spent all this money with you, especially for a marketing agency or what have you. And nobody, I have no, no one's hired me. And you're like, well, what's happening on the intake? Are people actually following up with these leads? Let me see your reporting from initial lead coming in to the follow-up that occurred to get them to book a consultation and it's crickets. They don't have the KPIs. They don't have the internal reporting. We can furnish all the reporting from a marketing perspective, from a dashboard perspective, but that's lead generation. The biggest piece of it is really the, the follow-up to have the KPIs and things of that nature. So I believe the most important position you hire is that integrator, somebody who could take that off you because attorneys get overwhelmed. They're like, you're talking voodoo. You're asking me these questions. I don't even know what a KPI is. I hear that a lot. I don't know what a lead is. I don't, I, I don't know what a PNC is. I know what a potential client is. And I'm like, well, that's what it is. But you ask all these words and it's not to talk over them or to dumb, to make you feel uneducated about the term using this example of marketing and this is why you need somebody other than you. I'm not saying you have to go hire a CEO, COO, or big law firm integrator or whatever professional law firm administrators, new term people are throwing around there. No, you can have the person that's answering your phone. If they have a strong follow through, they can be your integrator. Like start there until you can get your data and you can have your KPIs and you know the state of the union on your people, your process, your production, and your profitability, then you can start outsourcing vision and things of that nature. Yeah, this is an awesome segue to Molly, because I wanted to talk about this. It's interesting because when I've noticed like the firms that we've run into that are really, really in a great shape before we end up getting there, there's almost always, sometimes this is the same person but they absolutely need to have somebody who can manage all of these projects. And I've definitely, this is a really tough situation. And for anyone who's listening to this, you know, this is kind of what it, it ends up looking like from an outsourced service provider. So it's like, 
when we get brought in as one of like five initiatives that, that quarter and you can't get a hold of the guy because he's on with other one of the other four projects and then all of a sudden we, we're like you know we're way delayed on what we ended up having as far as timelines because we can't get the resource something like that and like that's what happens when we don't have the integrator connecting all the dots so there's absolutely like you know somebody who can kind of you know turn that energy into something and i think that's like the integrator role but also and it's awesome this is the same person the rock star intake person who can take like who can tee mm. up the consultation. And I've always like, you know, when I talk to this, uh, like with clients about this, I'm like, look, you might think that you're the quarterback, but you're the wide receiver. You're not getting any footballs that are not thrown by the person that's answering your phone. And I feel like it's a, it's a position that people are, you know, not giving a lot of respect to, but it, it can be such a huge lever. And I know for a fact that you've placed some fantastic people who do both. Molly. So I wanted to ask you about kind of what your thoughts about how people can find somebody for this, you know, broadly, is this something that makes more sense as a hire to place or somebody up level within the firm? Or like, how do you think about getting that in place for the firms that you work with? It could be someone that you go out and hire, or it could be somebody in your firm that you can up level. And it's a beautiful opportunity to go and sit down with your team in your strategic retreat, your weekly team meeting, what have you, and say, hey, you know, we understand that the most important position in this law firm is the receptionist, for lack of a better term, or client service coordinator, intake coordinator, because if they don't do a great job, they're the director of first impressions. I mean, think about the businesses that you call Mm -hmm. and you know, within 20 seconds, if you're even going to continue interacting with them based on how you were greeted and treated on that initial call. So you can share this with your team, share your vision, share what you're thinking out loud and say, if anyone's interested in moving into this position, put time on my calendar. Let me know. Let's talk about it and see it might be someone internally. A lot of times it is, especially when it comes to up-leveling to marketing coordinator or things of that nature. Your receptionist that's been answering your phone for two years is a perfect person to kind of upgrade into your marketing coordinator. I'm not saying that they're running Facebook ads, but they're coordinating all that initiative. And it could be a great opportunity because side note, this is why I do recruiting and the unemployment rate in the legal space is zero percent right now. Wow. The unemployment rate's insane. And when I talk to people, I'm like, tell me why you're on the phone with the recruiter. Like what's not working in your current job in a hundred percent of the time is there's no future opportunities. And it crushes my heart because I know there's opportunities in these businesses. The visionary or the entrepreneur or the team leader is not taking the time to constantly remind the team of the path of growth they're on, the opportunities that are there. So if you are first share with your team, it's easier to recruit within and get people to up level and move into that. If you're going outside and you're going to start recruiting and placing ads and things of that nature, really make certain that your ads paint paint the picture, you know, do not run ads that say receptionist because you're going to get a bunch of bottom feeders and unqualified. And then you're going to say, there's no good people out there. Like Mm -hmm. subject lines, King, think of it like running an ad or an email campaign. Think of the stuff that you, we all get emails in our inbox. Which ones do we open up? I mean, the ones that catch our attention or jar us a little bit. So right now, 
and the unemployment rate and the shark infested waters of trying to find candidates to even find them to even get on the phone with you. It's going to be, you're going to have to jar them. Your ads going to have to be way different. Paint the picture of what your culture looks like, what your law firm looks like, and make sure you have a really strong subject line. So for somebody who's doing intake or answering the phones or booking appointments, like a client service coordinator is one of the best ads that we have running right now for that position, because it communicates so much more than a booking appointments or being quote unquote, just a receptionist. And I'll say this as a really big, big, bold statement. When you are looking for this position, you cannot look at what the fee is, what you're going to pay this person. Cause people still have stuck in their mind. Oh, I can get a receptionist for 15 bucks a month. Right. I driving by my local McDonald's yesterday, $19 and 50 cents to work at McDonald's. Yeah. So what I find for law firms is they still have stuck in their mind. They could find a receptionist for 15 bucks, 17 bucks, what have you. My 16 year old is a hostess at a barbecue joint. She's a junior in high school making 1750 an hour. So from a way of perspective, it's not the fee. It is a cost if you don't invest in people, because a lot of times they're like, I need quote unquote, just a receptionist or just an intake or somebody just to, just to pick up the phone and book an appointment. I'm like, dude, that is the definition of sales. Like if they don't do a good job, your job as the attorney is irrelevant because you got nobody to meet with. So mm-hmm. you get what you pay for. And if somebody really fully, wholly understands that role and has it in their bones, in their blood, in this day and age, you are going to have to pay them $20 an hour or more. Yeah. It's kind of interesting too. It's um, This is something that was impressed to me when I was starting out right after school, I went into sales. And one of the things that my first managers always said is like, you look at most companies, the highest paid person other than the CEO is usually the top salesperson. In law firms, it's usually the lowest, the person answering the phones is the lowest paid person typically. And it's just so crazy. And like, there's so many parallels with this from like the ad stuff too. Like one of the things I'm always telling with clients is like, yeah, you're going to get price shopped if you're not putting distance between you and the competition. And it's the same thing on the hiring side too. If it's receptionist at firm A versus receptionist at firm B, yeah, why not go for the one that has the highest dollars per hour, right? So people are kind of creating this problem. But yeah, if it's client service director with, you know, the McGrath law firm, and we were trying to do this in the world and this and that, then like, not to say you should pay them lower, but you're going to be less vulnerable to that kind of pressure if you're creating a better experience for them at the end of the day too. But I think it's so important. And um, you also remind me of something that's kind of been on my mind a little bit too. How should people think about when to hire from a financial perspective? I've heard this old chestnut thrown out a bunch, the, hey, have six months worth of salary type thing, but like the right hire is going to create money. So how do you encourage people that you're working with to kind of have that conversation internally about the finances to, to, to get a new hire on the team. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say first and foremost, the finances have nothing to do with it. To your point, build it and they will come and you will create the money. I always tell people when they say to me, well, I don't really have the revenue right now to hire this position. I'm like, yeah, but I've been on the phone with you for an hour 
which if you do the billable hour of how much money you're losing by being on the phone with me, completely complaining and frustrated that everything's delegated back up to you. Nobody cares as much as you do. You're working 19 hours a week. You're, you know, somehow magically created 19 hours a week and you haven't slept in four months. Um, right there is why you should hire. So it's, you know, what, where do you hold your value? Is it in your frustration level, your stress level? Because now we know more than ever. I can't tell you how many times I open up Facebook or social media, and I don't mean to breathe fear in the room, but where I see somebody drop dead of a heart attack that should not have. Mm. And, you know, because their stress level and they're perfectly healthy, you know, what have you. That's one of the contributing factors. So if you're come, never seeing your family, you're completely stressed out all the time, still don't have the money that you want to have in the bank based on whoever told you how much you had to have in the bank. And that's your indicator. When your frustration is high, you are running a massive risk of the rest of your employees leaving or not closing a client because you think you're not bringing that energy in the room. You're bringing that energy in the room. And the greatest definition of money that I ever, ever, ever heard by my mindset coach. And now it's everywhere with all these money books of, you know, you know, you're a badass at making money and all these different money books that are out there. Money is energy. That's it, period. So if you are frustrated and you are feeling like you own a job and you are feeling like you know, you have to do the work of you're paying other people to do work and you're not getting a paycheck at the end of the month. And at the end of the day, if you are feeling a high level of frustration, it's time to hire, period. Whether it's in-source, outsource, W-2, 1099, don't care. I would say to you, get a whiteboard, get an old school legal pad. And there's a psychology to taking pen and paper, not type it on the computer, and write down, just keep that notebook with you everywhere you go. And next to your bed at 2 a.m. when you wake up, you know, did we call the Smiths back? Are we going to get fired by this client? And that's the biggest, you know, people think entrepreneurs are all about worried about money. In my experience, it's not true. Our greatest fear is getting fired by clients. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's what I tell people when they call me. And I have, you know, I see it. So often I'm not ready to hire. I can't afford it. What have you, but I'll get a phone call. see someone pop up on my calendar. I'm like, okay, last time I talked to him was eight months ago. And I'm going to pretty much play the recording of our conversation that we had eight months ago. And word for word, it's identical. I'm like you're actively choosing this because it's fear. Because if you hire someone to do the things that you feel like are beneath you, which are administrative stuff, paralegal stuff, when you're an attorney, et cetera, really the root cause is that you're afraid because if you no longer can hang on to the story that you're busy, important, and stressed out, and you have freed up time, now you have to up-level. Now you have to do the things that you signed up to do as a rainmaker, as an attorney, what have you, and you're not sure how to do it. It's uncomfortable. It's unknown, what have you. So you keep stuck in this feastum. Yeah, it's super interesting too, because it's like, I think you reminded me of something. And like, I think there's like a pretty obvious connection sometimes, especially with like a revenue generating position, like a great intake person where it's like, okay, cool. If you're, you know, your appointments book go from 25 to 50%, that's more money. But, you know, 
in terms of the energy cost too, like that's insane. The other thing too, like from, from what we see, and you know, we help a lot of people out with how they're closing their consultations. Good luck hitting a 90% close rate if you're worried about how much you're going to be letting the next client down. So even something that would be considered a cost center in, in most clients, it's just like that can also become a profit center if you really think about it. But, you know, it's so true. It's just like, there's, there's so many choices that people make and, and I don't even want, like, <laughs> we don't have enough time to get into the, uh, all the, the mental hangups that people do to prevent themselves from success. But like, I think sometimes it's like one of those things too, you always hear about, uh, all these entrepreneur stories where it's like, you know, they ended up having their first kid and then magically all the money found in a place. If people <laughs> can take the time to bet on themselves, you know, a lot of the times the hire can, can be that next big step. But you really have to have the faith that you're going to keep it to. And like, I can't think of any situation. Well, I wouldn't say it. it's rare to hear the situation like, yeah, you know, I decided to really bet on myself. And then I just, yeah, I decided to drop the ball after. <laughs> it's like, even if you don't see the path right there, sometimes you kind of have to take that leap of faith and like, you know, hiring scary as heck. But when you get the right one, it's such a multiplier. Oh, my goodness. It, absolutely. Well said. And it is true. The time is to hire is when you're not ready. There has to be, Tony Robbins always said, fear is the best motivator. And especially when you invest with people like you, that you are helping them with intake and what have you. And even when you use that story, like if you think you don't have the money, I'm even using your example that you're using. Think about this. You think you don't have the money. You have an initial consultation that might be worth, let's say $8,500, right? You're about to walk in there. And you go to grab a glass of water before you go into this hour long consultation, whether in a Zoom room or a traditional conference room, and you're getting your glass of water and the receptionist comes up to you at the water cooler and just tells you all this complaint that we just got from an, a client that's upset. And when they could have went to a paralegal, had you had a paralegal, or they could have went to an attorney or a legal assistant. And then now you can't unhear that. And you're yeah. bringing that into the conference room, before you even open up your mouth, the prospective clients see everything on your face. I can tell. And when I walk into Zoom rooms, I'm like, oh boy. Yeah. They just got, <laughs> and I'm like, hang on. What was the conversation you had with me before you hopped in the Zoom room? And then when I hear it, I'm like, yep, that's why you need to hire a buffer. Yeah. Oh man, Molly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, we're getting to the end of the hour. I really honestly, like, you know, we could definitely, we could talk about this all day, but I want to be uh, respectful of the time that we had booked. I'm loving this. If anyone else is loving this, what's the best way to get in your world? Absolutely. So a few things I am coming out with my new book, Fix My Employees. That's going to be out in May, 2022. And for anyone who would like a free copy of that, please send me an email at molly at hiringandempowering.com. And then just put case feel in the subject line and I will go ahead and send you a copy of the book. All right. Awesome. And then also super recommend the podcast and the email list as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. Easy ways. Just go to our website, hiringandempowering.com and just opt in and subscribe. Every Tuesday, we drop a new podcast chock full of tips and techniques and strategies for your employees as well as the employer to get you all on the same playing field and Every Thursday, we drop a blog and we've been blogging consistently every week since 2008. 
Oh, really? I didn't know it went that back that far. That's super impressive. What's that? Thank Jeez. you. I mean, uh, <laughs> I got the COVID, uh, COVID time warp. That's uh, anywhere yeah. between uh, 12 and 18 years. <laughs> <I'm> not sure. <laughs> but uh, no, that's awesome. And um, yeah, like I said to you guys, it's like, you know, like one of the reasons I think it's so important to focus on this stuff, you cannot do this on your own, point blank. And if you look at the real greats, read any of the biographies of the Richard Branthons of the world, it's all that, you know, they're the biggest people. At the end of the day, it's the ability to control other people because you can't learn it all. But if you know how to pick people right and you know how to manage them right, you know, you'll be on your way to not having to figure this all on yourself, which should be something to shoot for. But um, Molly, thanks again so much for coming on the show. And for everybody else, I will see you guys next Tuesday at 8 a.m. Eastern on the Law Firm Growth Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Law Firm Growth Podcast. For show notes, free resources, and more, head on over to casefuel.com slash podcast. Looking forward to catching up on the next episode.